Job. Who he was, what happened to Job, well known among us Christians, wouldn't you say? And he's well known by the Jews. I mean, it is Old Testament. But did you know that Job and what happened is well known among those in Islam faith? And actually, for that matter, you go and talk to somebody on the street, man or woman, and they'll know something about this man and even about what happened with him. Job was a wealthy man. He was a good man. And those two went together, by the way. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes wealth goes together with people who are not so good, even evil. But that's not the case with Job. In fact, as you heard, this is what God said. There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. That's the man Job, a good man by human standards and even by God's. But then, then disaster struck. Right before his very eyes, Job saw everything disappear, go down, and be destroyed. For whatever reason, God gave Job over to the hands of Satan and a wave of tragedy swept over him. All his possessions in a moment, it seems, were gone. And even his family totally died. All his children, just not his wife. Two waves like we have never seen before and probably never experienced before. In fact, a little bit of that would lay us flat on our face. God gave Satan permission. And Job suffered. He suffered in so many ways, beyond even the ways that those descriptions can tell. That's suffering, isn't it? It's universal, but it's also something that captures our mind, our imaginations, and we wonder. We can't help but wonder, why? Why others and why me? Why did all this take place? It's touched every person in every age, in every place. And we wonder, we seek answers, we go to seminars, we read books. Why good things, why bad things happen to good people. Remember that from Rabbi Kushner a number of years ago? And people grow weary. Not talking about it, but living under the consequences, under the uh, situations that produce that kind of suffering. Some people turn their back on God. Some people even reject him and walk away altogether. Either way, anyway, it is, suffering is a life-changing experience. But at this point, it's interesting about Job, isn't it? His extraordinary faith, holding fast through all of it. And it is encouraging, as you heard read, the beginning of what happened to him. He said, and I'm going to repeat, Naked, he said, I came from my mother's womb. 
naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Amazing, extraordinary faith, to be sure. But if you know the beginning, you probably know the end of the story. As you read all the way through, come the end of the story, God bless. He restored Job. He restored him in such a wonderful way that the Bible says, God blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Forty chapters after those two that describe what happened by way of suffering, that was the end of the story. But there's those 40 chapters in between. And not many of us have read those or read them when we remember the story of Job. But those are important because that's when three friends of Job showed up. They showed up, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Forget their names. They were friends and they came. And the Bible tells us they sat for seven days and seven nights in silence with Job. By the way, that ministry of comfort is so important. The ministry of presence. It can't be outdone. People may, may not remember the words we speak, but they'll remember when we're there to be sure. But beyond those silent days and nights, they began to speak, the three. And for a while they spoke words of comfort. But then things turned, and each of the three began slowly, with rising crescendo, beginning to accuse Job. They said, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something seriously wrong that God would punish you with these sufferings. And that's what they are, punishment. And one friend piped up along the way and said, you know, you probably deserve worse than all of this. You ought to count yourself as lucky or blessed. Untrue, to be sure. Based on what God said at the beginning, what you heard again, untrue that God was punishing Job. But there's another important thing in all of this. Not just Job's innocence, not just Job's impeccable character, and not just his extraordinary faith in submission, but there was also jousting going on. In those 40 chapters, come the end, there's four chapters where Job lashes out. He conversed with his friends, but he lashed out. And he lashed out against God. Against his Creator. He did. And we learn that faith questions. Faith questions. Even God. And there's at least two things to understand two things that are important here. Number one, in the midst of remembering this, we may wonder, what about faith? And the truth is, is that nobody has a perfect faith. Nobody, ever, in the past, ever will in the future. If you think there is a perfect faith, if you think that somebody else has a perfect faith, or that you should have and then feel guilty about it, 
Forget it. Not true. We are flawed people, broken people by sin. We are not, even with God's help, to have a perfect faith. It just won't be. Don't give up. You know, faith is like this. I think I've even mentioned this along the way. Faith is like being pregnant. (laughs) Now, I've never been. (laughs) Never will be. But I've been close to people, to a person who has been. And here's the truth. You understand this. You either are or you're not. (laughs) There's a clear dividing line. Either you're pregnant with child or you're not. And that child is alive from the moment of conception all the way to delivered into the world outside the womb. Pregnant or not. Faith or no faith. But there's a spectrum, to be sure. A great faith and a not-so-great faith. Even a weak faith. Now, obviously, God desires to strengthen our faith at whatever level it is, to make us stronger still. And it's the Holy Spirit's joyful job not just to plant faith in our hearts, but to nurture it, to bring it along, to help it grow as we grow in our knowledge and in our following. Interestingly, suffering is a part of that. Interestingly, and while we wouldn't necessarily put it there as a part of growth, God does. He did, and He will. We may only recognize it as we look in the rearview mirror of life. We may not notice it at the moment, but often, if not always, but certainly often, we look back and we can say, you know, as tough as those days were, God helped us grow. God helped very much. And while there is no perfect faith, it's also true that in suffering, faith questions. Other times too, but in suffering, faith questions. It does, and it can. It may. No matter what the question is, no matter if it's an accusation, even against God. You know what? God can take it. He did take it from Job, and he does from you and me, and he will in all circumstances, to be sure. Understand this. Hold on to it because it is true. And here is where the issue of suffering comes into play in a big, big way for Job. His hurt, his frustration, his depression, and more. He wanted to understand. I mean, that's natural. He wanted to understand what and why. And quite frankly, I don't understand why God gave Job over to Satan and let him loose. I mean, God said, have you seen my servant Job? He's a good man, upright, like nobody else on this earth. Now, why did God invite even Satan to have his way, so to speak, with Job? I don't know. I question. I've got a lot of questions, and so do you. Why does God allow all kinds of evil things to happen. Why? Why can we look at the world, at things close and things in between, and see not so good things happen, even evil things happening? Why? 
why can't we call upon God and he erase all the suffering, all the problems? Why? Why did my child die? It's not right. It's not fair. Why did I lose my spouse? I didn't see it coming. I didn't want it to happen. Why? Why do I have problems carrying my own burdens, my sickness, my weaknesses, my injuries? Why suffering? We wonder, we ask. Why does God, if the word is right, the phrase is right, give permission for it to happen? And there was at least one more thing I was going to add to the list, by the way. Why does God make us wait so long for a senior pastor? <laughs> Why hasn't he answered our prayer? Well, I see, I was going to ask that question. It's off the page now. It's not an issue. But you know what Paul wrote in the New Testament, that great chapter about love? He said, now we know in part, then, then we shall see face to face when we see the Lord. We know some things that God is with us and that God is with us always. God spoke to Joshua and he said these words, telling words. He said, I was with Moses and as I was so will I be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And a great psalm, I, I hope you know this psalm, or we'll read it, but hear part of it. The psalmist wrote, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast. God's there, no matter when, no matter where. You know, Jesus, remember when he left the earth? Do you remember the very last thing he said? As he left, he said what seemed to be the opposite, uh, an untruth. He said, I'm with you always. Even as he left, he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, the world in a new way, in a different kind of way. So St. Paul could write to the Romans these words, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, he wrote. None of these will be able to separate us because God is with us and he'll not give us more than what we can take. Now I realize, and we gotta be careful about when we say that to others, or maybe even to ourselves. it could almost be like, I wish I weren't so strong because this temptation, this sorrow, this, um, these sufferings are too much to handle. But we are assured, and it's said in a way, it's written in a way to assure us and to give us hope. And in all of this, in all of this, we can see Jesus. That's what Job is. He's a type of Jesus. Think about it. Jesus had everything, all the riches anyone could imagine in heaven at the Father's right hand, his favorite son, his only son. The joys of heaven, the riches all around. And yet he came to earth where he was not rich in any way where he was not fully received, 
where he came to a broken world with broken people with a lot of evil all around was all taken away from him as he came and he suffered he suffered like none other even as he suffered like you and I suffer but even more deeply so that on the cross he could and he did say my God my God why why have you forsaken me and you know I believe God did forsake him there on the cross that's where he suffered hell and hell is that separation from God fully totally he suffered that so you don't have to and so I don't have to so that all his children can know that God is with us never to forsake us and God put an exclamation point at it he assured us of that as he raised Jesus from the dead Easter morning he did very clearly so that St. Paul, again, in that letter to Romans, could write, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, because we shall not be put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And later, Later in that same letter, he wrote, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy of comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then the exclamation point, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the truth. There is the assurance, even in the midst of trouble and doubt. And understand in all of this, it's important. God is God, not us. We are not. He is greater than we, uh, in ways we can't even imagine. It's humbling, but it's absolutely true. We may not understand, but yet it's God's way, I think, in part of this very big complex of thing. It's for us to understand that we're not in charge. We don't know what's best. We're not in the process of doing what's needed or what is going to be dictated, and not by us. We don't know what's best. It takes away, God being God, our desire to know, our desire, our desperate desire to control things. But there's at least one more thing in Job and in his life. In the middle of his suffering and of ours, if you go all the way to the end of the book, and you, you've got to go to the end of the book, even beyond when God restored his fortunes, you'll notice that there's something left unanswered. After all of this, a question must have lingered, well, maybe not, in Job's mind. Why? It's in my mind, maybe in yours, as you look and consider all these things about Job and about yourself. It's a kicker. Job never got an answer as to why God let this happen, why he suffered 
lost all his possessions, all his family. Why God put him out to the devil, pointed him, pointed him out, and gave Satan leave. Why Satan did what he did. Why God let him experience all of this. It's huge. I, I can't understand an answer, and we're not given one. It must have been a great disappointment to Job. Must have been, unless he was so far beyond in faith than I. Maybe this is why Job is extraordinary. Perhaps this is why his faith, well, I'm sure it's why his faith is extraordinary. But it's also a message of what God wants us to know and what he doesn't want us to know. It's an issue of faith. And that's what it all boils down to, faith. Faith questions. It is common, it is inevitable in so many circumstances and certainly in our suffering. And that's where we are left, with faith. Not just a general faith, but a faith in God and a faith in his grace in which we live. Amen.